Recently, I was on an all-night road trip and stumbled into a 7-Eleven shortly after dawn. The clerk was a tatted-up biker, and the music, louder than I'd ever heard in a convenience store by a factor of five, was some banging heavy metal I'd never heard before. At the counter, I said to him, Man, you don't hear music like that in a 7-Eleven very often. I meant it as a compliment, but he didn't take it that way. Dude, I play what the fuck I want to play in here, he replied, giving me my change and turning away. Whoa, I'm awake now. Welcome to another episode of Love and War, the podcast in which the irresistible force overcomes the immovable object. I'm your host, Lee Ballinger. I'm an author, poet, and producer based in Los Angeles. If you want to know more, check out my bio on Facebook, L-E-E-B-A-L-L-I-N-G-E-R. You can hit me up at rockrap at AOL.com. R-O-C-K-R-A-P, or on Facebook. On April 5th, an immigration raid took place at the Southeastern Provision Meat Processing Plant in Bean Station, Tennessee. Agents not just from ICE, but also from the IRS and the Tennessee Highway Patrol arrested 97 people, most of them originally from Mexico or Guatemala, for working without legal papers. It was the largest workplace roundup of immigrants in a decade. Jonathan Blitzer, a reporter for The New Yorker, went to Tennessee to check out the local situation. He noted that in 2016, 77% of the county voted for Donald Trump. Yet, in the two weeks following the raid, residents in Morristown, Tennessee, where most of the workers live, raised $60,000 to help immigrant families who had relatives in detention. A vigil was held in support of the families of those arrested, and volunteers from local schools, churches, and businesses distributed food and coordinated other forms of assistance. I look at this from a humanitarian perspective. Local Baptist minister David Williams told Blitzer, You cannot be a true Christian if you ignore your neighbor in need. Some of Williams' parishioners dislike his outspokenness, but not all of them. The people in the middle have had their hearts softened because of the raid, he said. Blitzer recounted his first night in Morristown. I had dinner at a Mexican restaurant. A family, a couple with two young kids, was sitting in the booth next to mine, and before the parents paid their check, they flagged down their waitress with a question. We're trying to figure out who's right, the husband, who was white, bearded, and looked to be about 40, told her. Is it estoy cansado or soy cansado? Laughing, the waitress replied in accent in English, and a conversation ensued about the grammatical differences between the two Spanish forms of the verb to be. As the family left, I approached the man and asked him for his thoughts on the recent raid. Terrible stuff, he said. 
Rural Tennessee isn't the only place where unity is brewing. In New York City, the 120,000 members of the Teamsters are working to become a sanctuary union. According to Ginger Adams Otis in the New York Daily News, Teamsters are being trained on when and how to challenge federal immigration agents when they show up to search their work sites. The Teamsters' decision to openly challenge immigration enforcement under President Trump, Otis writes, is rooted in the loss of one of their own members. Teamster Eber Garcia Vasquez, despite having a U.S. citizen as a wife, three U.S.-born children, and a clean criminal record, was arrested and sent back to Guatemala. Teamsters Joint Council President George Miranda told Otis that Eber is part of our family. We and the Teamsters rely on each other to get through the tough times. The Teamster solidarity should come as no surprise. According to the Center for American Progress, nearly three-fourths of Trump voters support allowing dreamers from Latin America to remain permanently in this country. I've said it before, and I'll say it again. Do not judge people by who they voted for. Instead, reach out and unify. Blood sticker than the mud. It's a family affair. It's a family affair. It's a family affair. I did a brief interview recently for LA Parent Magazine. The question was What makes dads different from moms? This is my answer. The ongoing advance of science continues to reveal more differences between men and women than were previously known. At the same time, the advance of technology is rapidly ending the physical advantages of the man in the workplace. This presents challenges for both dads and moms. Dad needs to understand that his place in society is changing and make his peace with that. Mom needs to understand that this can be very difficult for dad and, as long as the family operates overall on the team concept, be supportive. I have a new book out called Love and War, My First 30 Years of Writing. You can download a copy absolutely free at loveandwarbook.com. That's loveandwarbook.com. Let me know what you think of it. You can't handle the truth! The Trump administration has proposed a ban on utilizing a wide range of health studies when new environmental regulations are being crafted. In other words, the corporate damage to the American people will be considered irrelevant. This attack on science is nothing new. As with so much that is wrong in America, it began during slavery. Luis Agassiz was a famous scientist and lecturer in the U.S. before the Civil War. His message was summed up by the statement that the brain of the Negro is that of the imperfect brain of a seven-month-old infant in the womb of a white. Agassiz married the first president of Radcliffe. 
received an endowment to fund a Harvard professorship for himself and founded the National Academy of Sciences. Fast forward to 1966, when the tobacco industry gave the American Medical Association $20 million, and the AMA dutifully produced a study claiming that smoking increases intelligence. The gross distortion of science continues today with the surge of climate change denial and the deadly practice of pharmaceutical companies writing up their own studies about the safety of their products and then paying professors to put their names on them. Meanwhile, the U.S. military budget, which dominates the direction of scientific research, is now approaching $1 trillion a year. Donald Trump, doing his best MC Hammer imitation, says, You can't touch that. The victims' rights movement has been a part of California politics for many years. It has been controlled primarily by the state's ambitious prosecutors. I gained direct experience with this when my father-in-law was murdered in 1994. The district attorney reached out to the family, eager to have us be a public face crying out for vengeance, specifically the death penalty. When the family declined to do that, we never heard from the DA again. The lust for so-called law and order policies is cooling in Cali today. Voter initiatives have rolled back tough sentencing laws, especially for nonviolent crimes. And in April, 700 people gathered in the state capital of Sacramento for the annual National Crime Victims' Rights events. People who have lost loved ones to violence, including a guest speaker who survived the mass shooting in Parkland, Florida, called for a new approach to criminal justice and public safety in California, one that focuses on alternatives to incarceration, with a greater investment in rehabilitation services and a reevaluation of what it takes to make communities safe. Crime survivors are continuing to push for more state funding of rehabilitation and legislation to repeal other sentencing laws. My father-in-law was killed by two homeless teenagers who stole his car. If America had eliminated homelessness when it first reared its ugly head, my father-in-law would still be alive today. Do I speak for the world? Let's finish up with a quote of the week, this time from legendary futurist Buckminster Fuller, who said, We must do away with the notion that everybody has to earn a living. It is a fact today that one in 10,000 of us can make a technological breakthrough capable of supporting all the rest. The youth of today are absolutely right in recognizing this nonsense of earning a living. We keep inventing jobs because of this false idea that everybody has to be employed at some kind of drudgery because he must justify his right to exist. The true business of people should be to go back to school and think about whatever it was they were thinking about before somebody came along and told them they had to earn a living. That's it for now. If you see me on the street, smile back. Well, together we stand, divided we fall. Come on now, people, let's all get on the ball and work together. Come on, come on, let's work together. Hey, now.
Because together we will stand Every boy, every woman